0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Games with Bill. On today's episode, we're going to talk about EA and Star Wars. We're going to talk about Microsoft and their subscription services. We're also going to talk again about Hitman, IO Interactive, responding to some of the pressure. Uh, Valve is trying to pack all of the battery that they can into the upcoming Steam Deck. Ubisoft is canceling games and shutting down servers. Those stories and more. Let's get started. Actually, let's not get started. I'm also going to talk on this episode about Sony's response to Microsoft's acquisition of Activision. Okay, now let's get started. Hey everybody, Bill from the Future here. I am sitting here editing this video and guess what? That's right. Sony decides to drop a huge news bomb that they are purchasing Bungie. Now, I've had no real time to think about the implications of this. So look forward to next episode for me to really talk about this at length. Um, But I figured I would sit, I would just give my quick reactions. Here's what I think. This reminds me of the 1980s and the Cold War where the United States and Russia were building up nuclear arms, pointing them at each other and saying, you don't pull your trigger and we won't pull ours. And they had this idea of safety, and I'm doing that with air quotes for the audio listeners, but safety through mutually assured destruction. And that's what this feels like right now. Microsoft buys Activision, so Sony has to respond to buy, in this case, Bungie, which not quite the same as buying Activision. Like right now, I think Bungie has just destiny Two, maybe some other stuff. I'm not sure, which is awesome, but it doesn't quite have the same weight as Activision. Of course, you know, Microsoft spent 70 billion on Activision. Sony is only spending, I think it was 3.6 billion on uh, Bungie. So Sony obviously has a lot more purchasing to do, but I think that we're going to see these two um, actors in the uh, gaming space continue to gobble up uh, these individual publishers, and they'll say, "Hey, we're going to keep letting uh, our our acquisitions be on your platforms. If you keep letting your acquisitions be on our platforms, and that mutually assured destruction, I think will last at least this generation. Will will there be examples where it doesn't pan out, where a game does not come to the other uh, platform?" I'm sure that that's going to happen. In fact, I think we already know that Starfield, if I'm remembering the name correctly, is not coming to to Sony. But I think for the most part, that multi-platform stuff will continue and Sony will let their subsidiaries work the way that they want to. In fact, they've already kind of said that. Microsoft will kind of let their subsidiaries work the way that they want to, just collecting the money. However. Next Generation, if it happens, is going to be a very different story. Now, whether it happens or not is a completely different show, and uh, I'm not going to talk about it right here. But um, I I do think that this is a very interesting development and uh, look forward to the next episode where I'll have more than a little tiny bit of time to think about how this can impact the gaming industry. I will say this. I'm looking forward to seeing a Destiny movie. I think that that sounds really cool. All right, back to Bill from the past. The first thing that I want to talk about today is EA surprising... Okay, I'm not going to say surprising everybody, but certainly surprising me when they announced that they're not working on just one new Star Wars game. They are working on three new Star Wars games, and they are working on these games with Respawn. Uh, If you are not aware, Respawn is the company that made... Uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which was like the big um, single-player action-adventure game from EA. And then there's DICE. DICE made Battlefront 2. Now, I I have said, maybe not on this show, but many times before, that Battlefront 2 is a really, really good game that got hampered with a really bad launch because EA tried to shoehorn in a bunch of pay-to-win microtransactions. Uh, The community fought back against that. EA backpedaled, changed their mind. They ended up not going with that. And then they shipped a really, really good game that nobody played. Well, I'm not going to say nobody played, but it didn't get nearly as well-received as I think it deserved because EA tried to get too greedy with it, and it backfired on them. And... The reason I'm bringing this up is because we've got Respawn is making this uh, this Jedi Fallen Order 2 game, but they're also making a first-person shooter in the Star Wars universe. Now, when I say a first-person shooter in the Star Wars universe, most people would assume that that's Star Wars Battlefront 3, but this is Respawn, not DICE. So I'm guessing it's not going to be Star Wars Battlefront three, it's going to be something else. And I don't know how I feel about that because on one hand, I really, really liked what they did with Star Wars Battlefront two. But on the other hand, I'm always up for something new. I will say this, that uh, they got Peter Hirschman. Uh, He's the one who is directing this untitled Star Wars first person shooter. And if you don't know who he is, like I didn't, uh, you can Google him and you're going to quickly find out that he has made lots and lots of Star Wars video games. So I think that they probably have um, the the Star Wars first person shooter in the right hands uh, and we'll see what happens with it. Let's move on to the third game that EA is making with the Star Wars universe. And this is so fantastic. It is being made by BitReactor. If you don't know who BitReactor is, uh, it's still going to be, um, you know, Respawn is making it, but they're partnering with BitReactor. And these are the people that made the XCOM series. And what kind of game is it? Well, as soon as I say XCOM, your ears should say, oh, well, that means it's a strategy game. And that's exactly what this is. We don't know exactly what kind of strategy game, but the idea of a Star Wars-themed strategy game from the people who brought us XCOM. I mean, that sounds really, really good to me. Uh, I loved XCOM and XCOM 2. I thought that they were really fantastic games. And I would love the idea of being able to do that exact same thing. Maybe you have like a team of bounty hunters that are going around taking people out And, you know, you you can set like an Overwatch up where you got a sniper up high and uh, they're taking people out as they peek around the corner to come after you. Uh, I just it's very easy to see how that would work in the Star Wars universe. Of course, just because they are the team from XCOM doesn't mean that they have to use that same formula. They could go ahead and use a completely different formula and it would work fine. So we've got three games coming from EA all First, or three Star Wars games all coming from EA, which I don't know about you, but I personally thought that Star Wars and EA were on the outs after uh, Fallen Order 2. Um, but that's those aren't the only Star Wars games that are coming, there's other ones in, that are on the way as well from other publishers, which I think is great. One of the best things that Star Wars could have done is to say, okay. You guys can all apply to make Star Wars games and we will approve them or not approve them instead of what we had before, which was EA was the only one that was able to make Star Wars games. So now we get to have more Star Wars games, which as a huge giant Star Wars nerd, that is extremely appealing and exciting to me. Speaking of Star Wars, before we move on to our next story, uh, there was recently some footage that was leaked of Star Wars 1313 featuring Boba Fett, which is perfect because we currently have the book of Boba Fett going on. And for, if you don't know what Star Wars 1313 is, it is a game that was being worked on back before Disney purchased uh, Lucas uh, Lucasfilm uh, by LucasArts. And LucasArts had this cool game where they were you were playing as like a bounty hunter on Coruscant on level 1313. If you're not a big Star Wars lore nerd, then you probably don't know Coruscant is the capital of the 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 empire. And on that capital, it's an entire planet that is all just city and it's city on top of city on top of city, just levels and levels and levels. And uh, level 1313 is where that particular game takes place. Now, Disney purchased Lucasfilm, they shut down LucasArts and said, well, we're not making that game anymore, but we finally have some m- new footage of that game, and it's, I don't know, pretty advantageous, or it's its very, oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very convenient. It's very convenient that this leak comes out right around the time when uh, Boca Boba Fett is Look, this search engine algorithm 101, smart move on their part. Microsoft is in hot water over in the UK because of some of their business practices that come around the idea of uh, subscriptions. Now, it's funny that this was something that I was going to talk about because I saw a tweet earlier today and I wish that I had remembered to save it. But somebody said, I've been subscribed to Game Pass for over a year and didn't know it. Um, that's very easy to do because when Microsoft first launched game pass, they said, Hey, we've got these really, really cheap, uh, introductory prices. Everybody can jump in and a bunch of people did. And then those introductory prices may or may not have worn off depending on how you tried to manipulate the system in order to get, you know, the biggest bang for your buck. And some people are now paying full price for game pass and they didn't realize that they were paying full price for Game Pass. And that is something that is never a good thing. Anytime a subscription just kind of quietly sits there, you're not really sure what that it's happening because we all have way too many subscriptions to keep track of. That's always bad. Um, I will say that one company that does a fantastic job about this is Square Enix. Uh, one of my favorite MMOs is Final Fantasy 14. And every single month, I get an email from them saying, hey, in a couple of weeks, we're going to charge you for your subscription to Final Fantasy 14. Then in a couple of weeks later, we're like, hey, we're charging you tomorrow. Like they're giving me an opportunity to say, oh, you know what? I haven't played in a while. Maybe I should cancel that. And I really like that. And that's what Microsoft is going to start doing. Actually, they have a couple of things that they're going to start doing. So first off, they said... If they're going to do better upfront information, Microsoft will provide more transparent upfront information to help customers understand their Xbox membership, making clear, for example, that the subscription will auto renew unless the customer turns off auto renewal. When the subscription will auto renew, how much it will cost and how the customer can receive a refund after an accidental renewal. Let's talk about refunds. Microsoft will contact existing customers on recurring 12-month contracts and give them the option to end their contract and claim a pro rata refund. Uh, I'm assuming that means if I cancel and say, I don't like I've got three months left on my uh, account, I can call up and say, go ahead and cancel and they'll give me a small refund based on those extra three months. This is actually beyond what most subscription services do. When when you cancel most subscription services, they say, okay, your subscription goes until this date and then it won't renew. Where it seems like Microsoft is actually saying, your subscription goes until this date? Oh no, it doesn't. We're going to shut it off right now and we're going to give you a refund based on what you haven't used yet, which I think is awesome. I honestly, I would like An option to go either way on that, but I'm not going to cancel Game Pass anyway, so what do I care? Microsoft will also contact existing customers who haven't used their memberships for a long time but are still paying. These customers will be reminded how to stop payments, and if they choose not to use their memberships, Microsoft will ultimately stop taking further payments. And then finally, better information about price increases. Microsoft will give clearer notifications of any future price rises and will ensure that people know how to turn off auto renewal if they don't want to pay the higher price. Overall, I think that this is really, really good. And I wish every subscription service that I subscribe to would would um, agree to do this kind of thing. And I, I i mean, let's be real. That is only ever going to happen if there's a law in place to make them do that. But at least Microsoft is doing the right thing here, if for no other reason than to get the UK government off of their back. Last episode, I talked a little bit about Hitman 3 and about how price and um, game reviews should really be separated. And I got a lot of people uh, leaving comments that were disagreeing with me, which is... Awesome. If we all agreed about everything, it would make making this show super boring and I would not want to do it. So I love when people disagree with me and we can have a conversation about that. I think it's great. Real quick, I want to clarify my position and then I want to give a quick update about what IO Interactive is doing for the Hitman 3 people who've bought the game and are unhappy with what they got. So clarification first. Price. Why do I think it should be separate? Notice that I said separate, not that it doesn't matter. I had a lot of people who thought that I was saying that price doesn't matter. Price absolutely matters, but I think it should be considered separate from the review. First off, we don't know how much the game costs at the time that you're either watching, listening to, or reading the review because it may have changed since the reviewer made the game. So there's number one. Number two... Price means different things to different people. One person might say, if I buy this $10 game, I can't eat this week. And another person might buy the $300 deluxe edition that comes with a a statue and they're not even going to blink an eye because we don't know what the price is going to be when you uh, consume the review that we make and because we don't know your price like the the audience's monetary situation when they read, listen, or watch our review. In my opinion, it doesn't make sense to make the price part of the review. So I like to talk about the game over here by itself and just say, I like this game or I don't like this game. And these are the reasons why. And over here, I'd like to say, well, I think the game is too expensive. And I can really, really like a game and think that it's too expensive at the same time. Those are not mutually exclusive things. And what I think that people latch onto is if they find one thing that they don't like about a game, then it is the worst game ever. And a lot of people were latching onto this idea with Hitman, uh, Hitman 3, to be specific. You know, they look at Hitman 3, I don't like the price, I think it's too expensive, I'm going to say it's a bad game. Just because it's too expensive doesn't make it a bad game. Moving on to Hitman 3, IO Interactive has basically said, hey, we hear what you're saying, we know that you're unhappy with the pricing situation, so what we're going to do is everybody who bought the game before February 19th, which is plenty of time, is going to get the digital deluxe edition for free. So when you buy the the deluxe or I'm sorry, when you buy the game on Steam, it's now automatically going to be upgraded to the deluxe edition. If you already bought the deluxe edition, then you're going to be able to get the Seven Deadly Sins DLC for free. And I think that that's probably a good move. It doesn't necessarily mean that they were ever wrong to begin with, but it is a olive branch to their player base that says, hey, you know what? We appreciate that you didn't like how we handled that. Let's go ahead and fix that. All right, let's move on and talk about Valve. All right, everybody, get your emails ready to check. On February 25th, Valve is going to start sending out those first invitations to actually buy the Steam Deck. For those of you that don't know, the Steam Deck, like everybody who's bought the Steam Deck, has not really purchased the Steam Deck. They spent $5 for a place in line. And then what's going to happen is Valve is going to start sending out these invites on February 25th. You'll have three days, 72 hours from the receipt of that email to buy your Steam Deck, and then it will get shipped to you. Uh, I imagine that there's going to be a lot of people who don't check their email, don't follow this show decide that they're not interested in spending four, and somewhere between $400 and $650 on this device. And so there's going to be a lot of cancellations there. Uh, so make sure you watch uh, your email because you never know if you're going to get pushed up and you'll only have 72 hours to buy that thing before they move on to the next person. So that's that's thing number one about the Steam Deck. Let's move on and talk about thing number two. And that's that Valve is trying to squeeze more battery into the Steam Deck, not physically, they're not actually trying to put bigger batteries in it, but they're doing this thing called variable, I wanna make sure that I get this right, so let me open the website again, variable rate shading. Uh, And essentially what this does is it gives the, the devs a lot more control about what parts of the screen are being updated at any time. The fewer parts of the screen that need to be updated allows the game to run without using quite so much power. And that means that the games are going to run further, further, faster, um, longer. That's the word that I was looking for. That means that the games are going to run longer without running out your battery. This is part of Vulkan. Vulkan is kind of like the Linux version of DirectX for just the The simplest explanation? Now, while it's true that you can use this variable rate shading in order to increase the frames per second that you're getting uh, in the game, the whole reason that they're doing this is aimed at extending battery life. You look at the IGN interview with Pierre Lugrify back when the Steam Deck was first announced. They said... Uh, that you would get anywhere between two and eight hours. Valve is trying to extend that so it's actually longer than the two to eight hours, which I think is a really good move. Now, in the actual PC Gamer article, they do talk about how you can use this to have a special configuration that allows the devs to increase your frames per second when the game is, when the system is docked versus when it is not docked. Here's the exact quote because I want to make sure I get this right. They say the Tuesday patch rolled out dynamic VRS rate control, as well as adding a configuration file option for devs in which the VRS can be rewritten to control the shading rate on demand, perhaps depending on whether or not it is plugged in. And I think that that's very interesting. It's slightly different than what Nintendo does with the Nintendo Switch, um, where they basically just lower the resolution and frame rate in order to prolong battery life, and then they don't do that when you plug it back in. Uh, this is handling things slightly different, so the resolution will probably be the same. Although you also have to remember that the end, because it's a PC, the the player at the end of the day can completely control their experience and lower or raise all kinds of graphical settings in order to dial in the exact experience that they want. Which is, I think, why a lot of people are excited about the Steam Deck to begin with. Speaking of resolution and frame rate, let's talk about GeForce now for a minute. For those of you that don't know what that is, it is NVIDIA's answer to cloud gaming. You're playing on their hardware in a data center somewhere and then they are streaming that to you, kind of like Netflix or YouTube, that kind of thing. It works pretty well, well, it used to work pretty well, now it works really well if you have the NVIDIA 3080 Pod tier, which is $200 a year. $200 a year might sound too expensive, but if you really look into how much it would cost to build a computer that can do what this would do, I think that $200 a year is reasonable. However, everybody has their own opinions when it comes to pricing, so let's not get into that. Let's instead talk about this new update that is that just came out for NVIDIA GeForce now, and that is AI upscaling. If you have older NVIDIA hardware In your computer, it is now going to be able to. If it's on the list, it'll now be able to upscale that. uh, I think up to fourteen forty p signal up to four k. Now, is this true four k? No, it's not. And there's going to be people who are undoubtedly going to type things in chat, in chat, in in chat, which is over there, or in the comments down below, and they're going to say, "Bill, I can tell the difference between true four k." and upscaled 4K. And for those people, I'm going to say, congratulations, my eyesight is worse than yours because I honestly, I can't tell. And maybe I'd be able to tell if I had two screens and I had one that was playing the game at 4K and one that was playing the game at 1440p upscaled to 4K. I'm sure that if I looked at them side by side, I'd be able to peep those pixels and say, ah, This is the one that's upscaled, and this is the one that's not, kind of like the Pepsi challenge back in the 80s. But who does that? Who's going to have them side by side? Nobody. So, this upscaling thing is going to allow NVIDIA to possibly save on bandwidth and still give you that same resolution. I think that, well, not really the same resolution, but enough that we're not going to care. And As somebody who's played lots of games streamed over the internet in the past two or three years, I'm here to tell you, when you're playing the game, as long as the game plays well, all the other stuff just fades away and it works pretty well. All right, let's wrap up the show and talk about uh, HyperScape. Ubisoft had this battle royale called HyperScape. I tried it, I think, I don't know, for 20 minutes or so and decided it wasn't for me. And I think probably a lot of other people did too. Uh, because Ubisoft is officially shutting it down. They they posted this thing called The Future of Hyperscape. If you're canceling it, it has no future. But here's what they said. Contenders. We've made the difficult decision to end development of Hyperscape and shut the game down as of April 28th. We set out to create a vertical close contra- close quarters and fast-paced shooter experience, and we are extremely grateful to our community for joining us on our journey. We will be taking key leanings from this leanings. Leanings, Bill. Learnings. We will be taking key learnings from this game into future products. To the hyperscape community, thank you for your passion and dedication to the world of Neo Arcadia, both in and out of the game. Your devotion to the game we built will always be cherished. Reach out if you have questions. So it looks like they're shutting this down. It's not the first time that a game has shut down, and it certainly won't be the last time. I still feel the sting every time I launch Steam and see Marvel heroes sitting there taunting me, saying, hey, you can't play this awesome Diablo-like Marvel game anymore because Disney bought uh, LucasArts. LucasArts? That's the wrong story. Disney bought Marvel and shut down the service. That's frustrating to me but that's okay. By the way, speaking of that game, uh, the creative director on that game, David Brevik, I interviewed him uh, on an episode of 143 pixels. There is a link in the description down below. If you want to check out that podcast on 143 pixels, it's an, it's a podcast where I've interviewed, I think it's like 50 people about their favorite games. And I talked to David Brevik, creative director on um, Marvel Heroes and the creator of Diablo. Uh, I talked to him about his favorite game, EverQuest. So make sure you uh, check out that interview. Uh, There's a link in the description down below if you're watching this on the YouTube channel. And that's it for this episode of Games with Bill. I'm out of here. I hope that you all have a wonderful day. And right over there, right over there, I don't know where it is, there's a video that you can watch right now. Bye, everybody.